Rhino, the post All-Star break haze is 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 gone. The smoke is cleared from the home run derby, the excitement of the Midsummer Classic. How you doing, buddy? You ready for this big strong push into the second half? I'm good. I want to see that big strong push. They got off to a strong start. Hopefully they can continue that strong start as the Cubs uh start the second half and see a majority of their games against their rivals in the NL Central. We have got a blockbuster show, jam-packed show. We're going to be talking about everything that you care about as a Cubs fan. And uh, also, Ryan, you are leaving me in suspense. You have an announcement that we're going to make in the ninth inning about two, and dare I say, I've not heard who they are because you want me to find out on the show, but two, as you deem them, flipping blockbuster seventh inning stretch interview guests. I don't think I've ever been this excited about two guests really? that we uh, possibly have had. So if that doesn't leave you hanging for wanting more, uh, Buddy, I, I don't can't know wait. I will. can't flip and wait. We also have Julie DeCaro as our seventh inning stretch conductor. Fantastic this week from guest. Sports Radio 670. She's a host on the radio show from 10 to 12 when Cubs games aren't being played. So stay tuned. The Friendly Confine starts. Right now. First inning now, and the Cubs made a trade overnight after their game against Cincinnati that Mike Montgomery, the man who made the Mm. final out in the World Series, got the save. He was looking for an opportunity to start. The Cubs just did not have that spot for him. So Monty goes packing, and in return, the Cubs get Martin Maldonado, a catcher who will probably be seeing some significant playing time. Uh, so, Chad, first off, what will you remember most about Mike Montgomery and his tenure with the Cubs? You know, it's 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 interesting because it's he should have been a footnote, um, but he ended up in 2016 being, I think, honestly, one of the top five to seven pieces of that that lineup. Um, and and I'll share with you why because. Yeah, he did. He was the guy that got that through what I believe and many people have said is the most important pitch in Chicago Cubs history. But he put in significant time, ate up significant innings down the stretch. He came in and and and, and if it wasn't for that, that trade with Seattle, um, I'm not sure that the, the Cubs go as far as they did. He was a pivotal part. Um, unfortunately, um, he just couldn't catch on. He couldn't show his stuff. Um, from what we're hearing now, he asked for the trade. So he wanted the opportunity um, to be a, a starter, and the Royals are going to immediately put him into the rotation. So what I'll remember from from Monty is he is the guy that will forever start the most, you know, just my most favorite video in Cubs history that ends with, with Anthony Rizzo raising his arms and complete jubilation um, that beautiful night in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean. Absolutely. Or Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> Cleveland. You know, and I, knew, I knew what you meant. I know, right? Reds are on the mind of all of us. But no, I mean, I agree with you. Like his, 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 his entire career will be labeled as the guy that got the save in game seven of the world series. I mean, no matter what he does from here on out, he will always be known as the guy that got the final out. And I, I applaud him for the job that he had done over the years. I know he didn't really have a great season and he was deemed expendable at this point. But, um, you know, he was a guy who could come in and spot start. He could come in and do long relief. He could close a game out. He was kind of a jack of all trades for this team for a long time. Had kind of that rubber arm that the Cubs needed. Sort of reminded me a little bit of like a Terry Mulholland 
who pitched a long time in baseball and had a stint with the Cubs. I hope he gets the opportunity now to pitch regularly for the Royals in the rotation as the Royals start to rebuild and uh, then get that opportunity. But by, by no means, uh, am, uh, you know, do I feel like uh, he is somebody that will not be remembered because like yeah. I said before, he will be that guy that yeah. uh, will forever be the final out of that world series. One, one thing to share, and then we'll move on. It, it's what's interesting is, 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 CJ could have been the guy, but he, 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 he scuffled there at the end. Cause he got those two quick outs. Um, Chapman was supposed to be the guy, but forever Mike Montgomery is going to be the man. So let's move on to the, the second inning and, and Rhino, this is not something you were expecting. And obviously the third inning, we're going to talk about why this was very important, but you sure weren't thinking about catching depth when you woke up on Monday morning. So what do you think about this deal? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Martin Maldonado, who the Cubs received from the Royals, he's considered a very good defensive catcher, uh, not much of a huge hitter um, right now, just hitting 227, but a guy who is good behind the plate, can handle pitchers, somebody who defensively is very solid and I think will do a nice job for the next few weeks. Now, I'm curious to see what is going to happen once the Cubs have three catchers uh, right now. It's going to be probably Victor Caratini for the majority of the time behind the plate and then Maldonado with some spot up duty. But, you know, listen, I think the Cubs can easily make another move. I don't think their moves are over just yet as the trading yeah. deadline is about two weeks away. Um, I think the Cubs can still make some moves, whether it has to do with the bullpen, whether it has to do with their offense. Um, I still say there's going to be another bat that they're going to go for before it's all said and done. But this is, you know, a move that I think needed to be made because especially with catchers, um, it's, it never hurts to have, uh, you know, at least two or three catchers because of the fact that catchers do not catch as much as they used to back in the day. So, so I, I like this move all around for everybody. I, it's a, it's a great move. And, and I actually think that we're going to see Martin Maldonado actually have a much larger impact, at least right away. Uh, there's a couple pieces here. First off, you hit it on the on the head. He's not an offensive threat. He's not going to be a guy that is going to that's going to do a lot. When was the last time the Cubs carried three catchers consistently from start to finish? 2016. Most people don't remember. If you have to think it through, three catchers um, played for the Cubs in that game. So Madden knows how to. Uh, to, to move those pieces around Maldonado is known throughout baseball and the Cubs staff, because, uh, you know, Kyle Hendricks was raving about him for his pitch framing ability, his ability to call uh, a game. He is a, um, uh, a golden glove catcher. So he actually is going to shore up um, and, and maybe even make our pitching improve just by his pitch framing ability. What I like about this deal is Victor Carantini now has the ability to, you know, get more reps potentially out in the field with uh, Contreras uh, um, having some time away because Victor's bat has been, has been white hot at times and his uh, explosiveness and excitement um, from both ends of the plate. And then also don't sleep on the fact that Victor could be a trade piece going somewhere else uh, for, for somebody that needs a power hitting, not as strong defensively uh, switch hitting catcher. All right, third inning now. And the reason that the Cubs went out and got Martin Maldonado is unfortunately Wilson Contreras finds himself on the ILs. And Contreras uh, probably couldn't have come at a worse time. Yeah. You can arguably make the, the point that Contreras is the best hitter on this baseball team right now. Um, he's got 19 home runs, 55 RBIs, batting 286 this year. 
uh, just having an all-around amazing year, arguably the best catcher in baseball right now as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, listen, this is going to hurt not having him. Uh, hopefully he can get back at least in the next uh, month or so because certainly is, you know, not having him uh, is definitely, you know, a, a big, big loss for this team. I mean, he's got a 2.5 uh, wins against replacement yeah. for the Cubs, which is third on the team. So for that, I, I would like to see him get, you know, back in the swing of things as soon as possible. Yeah, he's he's the guy that you make a case for team MVP, and that's a little bit different than Major League Baseball MVP, which I think we all feel like Javi's uh, is definitely in the mix there. But what, what Willie brings to the table in energy level and that fire plug and that spark plug – um, emotionally is, 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 is a positive. He's reined that in over the last couple of years, but he, this is a guy that is on his ascension right now. He's two home runs away from his career high. Um, at the time of this recording he has a higher OPS, uh, which is the, the, the combination of slugging and on base percentage. He has a highest in, in on the team, um, higher than, than hobby even. Um, and he's just that, that, that solid presence behind the mound, but uh, behind the, 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 the dish. But the challenge with, with Wilson is he has been an everyday player. He hasn't been getting a lot of um, downtime. And so th- the word on the street from the front office is they do expect this just to be a 10-day dent. Uh, they don't expect him to be any longer. He did not want to come out and be put on the IR, which I love that in his heart. But this is necessary for him in the long run. If you remember last year, he really dropped off. So good time for him to take a bit of time off. Um, and also, maybe he can learn some things from Maldonado because because Contreras, while improving, is below average from his pitch uh, pitch framing, which is a huge part of any successful pitching staff. Strain of the arch muscle in his right foot is the uh, exact injury. Uh, I didn't know you had muscles down in the arches. Maybe we're lifting wrong. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, it's, and when it comes to the feet, I know that can always be an issue, yeah. uh, especially when you're trying to pivot, you know, throwing the ball to second base or whenever yeah. you're trying to push off when you're when you're and, and he, well. he's just he's such a powerful presence and i love his energy behind the plates so we're going to miss that this is going to be a big stretch right now so look, we talked about the power let's move on to the next inning and let's talk about this power surge rhino i mean we have the potential right now and this is insane this is in the potential right now for one two three four five six six players to sniff 30 home runs that is incredible, and there's been quite a bit of a power surge lately. We're seeing guys, as you said before we got on the call, Almora, um, you know, had a had had a big hit uh, pinch his first pinch hit home run in the last couple of days. But here we go: Jason Hayward, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Willie Contreras, Kyle Schwarber, Javi Baez, all over 15 home runs. Is this because the baseballs are new, Ryan, or is this that, that these are guys that are really starting to see? Um, uh, the ball and, and hitting the ball because it is it is definitely heating up around the nation. Yeah, I think it's a little of both, right? Because I think a lot of players around Major League Baseball, A, are hitting the baseball at an alarming rate uh, that we're seeing home runs. Two, I think the game has changed, right? Because now players are hitting and swinging for the fences a lot more mm-hmm. than they used to in the past. And then three, these players, yes, at the end of the day, these are guys that are capable of putting up those kind of numbers. I mean, Chris Bryan has hit, you know, well over 20 home runs. Rizzo is hit in the thirties. Jason Hayward, when he first came up, uh, hit over 20 home runs when he was with the Atlanta Braves. 
So he's another guy. We've already seen what Javi can do. Contreras is on that case. And then yeah. Schwarber, obviously, uh, you know, with him, it's either you're striking out or you're hitting a home run. I mean, there's no in-between with him. So, you know, I think part of it is the player. Part of it is just the way the game is played today and that we are yeah. seeing a lot more home runs. But look, when you have guys that can hit it out of the park, that always produces a guaranteed run a game. So, you know, just keep it up. I think for the Cubs, the key is getting those home runs in those key spots with runners in scoring position, which sometimes they don't always do. There are times where a lot of these are solo shots, which, listen, I'm never going to pass up a home run, but I also think it's important that when you have guys on base to make sure if you're going to drive them in and you want to hit that home run, that's the most opportune time you can do it in. So obviously that would be my preference, but it's nice to see that power surge, especially Wrigley when the wind's blowing out. I mean, there's no question you're going to see a lot of home runs. What, what I'll say is, is if we actually get to the point where we've got, we've got uh, six players between 45 home runs and 26 home runs, which, which is the pace we're on right now. I've never seen anything like that. And that's exciting. You're right. It'd be great to have some people on base, um, but uh, I'll take that lineup versus one guy in my lineup that's gonna that's gonna scratch fifty five. Fifth inning now, and uh, Chad, do the Cubs have a new second baseman in place? Well, obviously, we've seen Addison Russell, we've seen David Bodie, but Robel Garcia came up from the minors, and in just eight games, he's already hitting over three hundred, has two home runs and four RBIs. He's been uh, quite a nice little revelation all of, revelation all of a sudden with this team as uh, they keep searching for uh, the possibility of trying to find a guy who can play every day while Ben Zobris continues to stay away from the team. Um, I obviously have liked what I've seen from Robel Garcia, uh, but it, I, I think it might be too early to say all of a sudden this is the guy we're going to replace him with. Is it one of those situations where they don't really have a scouting report on him right now? So right now they don't know how to pitch to him. So therefore he is off to that hot start and then eventually he might cool off. Listen, I would love nothing more than to see this guy turn into a guy who can hit 290 and really provide a spark for this team. But as far as I'm concerned, I understand you want to kind of switch up the lineup and, you know, you want to try and make, you know, Addy and Bodie, Uh, as significant as possible when it comes to getting in there and playing. However, right now, I don't think you can deny that this kid is really showing that he's got some skills at the moment and, and certainly is putting forth a great effort and, and really providing a bright spot to a position that has just been absolutely a headache all year long for this team. Where do you stand on Robel Garcia? I always hate uh, spewing stats on a podcast because I never know if our listeners, if they're walking the dog or doing the dishes or in the car, if they can visualize it. But I'm just going to throw a couple stats that I think are visually important. I'm all, I, I, I love the I, I love the story of Garcia, just like I love the story of David Bodia, you know, person that has just come up through the system, was not one of those blue chip prospects and has, has kind of forced his way on the scene. Here's here's the challenge right now with Robel when you just compare him up against Addison Russell. Yes, you are right. Batting 316. Maybe they've not found the holes in the swings just yet. But in 19 at bats. 
he's got 10 strikeouts. That is, that is, that was the book on him coming in. That is what we're seeing right now. So he's striking out more than half of the time he's up to bat as poor, as rough as Addison Russell Russell has been out of 130, 34 at bats at the time of this recording, he has 33 strikeouts. So just to think about that, you know, a you know, so, so the, the, the pace there is not sustainable. You know, he cannot be an everyday uh, second baseman and strike out at that level. Um, but what he does do is he puts pressure on the team to be a little bit better and show up because, because Bodie's going to get a couple fewer reps. Russell's going to a couple fewer. And I am not going to be surprised if Descalso does not make it um, through, through the end of, of August. Um, so what Garcia has done is he's provided the, the opportunity, the offensive opportunity that we expected from Descalso. He does, it does a nice job at second base. He's not as versatile. He can't play everywhere else, but his power numbers, again, to compare it to Russell, he has two home runs to Addison's five. <laughs> so um, I like it. Are they going to make another move again? Who's out there? What are they willing to give up? But for now, it's a bit of a spark plug that we need. All right. We move on to the sixth inning and the NL central continues to weevil wobble back and forth. Uh, it <laughs> is, wobble. It I is, like that. <laughs> it is the most confusing division in baseball. I, I, it is amazing to me that the last place team has the second best run differential in the division. Yeah. It is unbelievable. And the Cubs continue to find the Cincinnati Reds a mystery for whatever reason. But the Cubs, as of this recording, are still in first place, two games ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals as of this recording. Uh, the Brewers seem to be failing a little bit. The Pirates, obviously, after getting swept by the Cubs, seem to you know keep falling down. I, I like seeing the Brewers continuing to fall down. Still a lot of baseball left to be played, but it, it just continues to baffle me that the Cubs cannot just absolutely dominate this division. It, it absolutely just racks my brain because you just see mediocrity up and down from the rest of the division, and the Cubs should have every opportunity to easily win this division, and for whatever reason, they can't figure out how to win on the road yet. They still have issues with the last place Cincinnati Reds and they still struggle against the Brewers. So unless the Cubs are playing the Cardinals and the Pirates, the majority of the season, even against the Pirates on the road, they still struggle. So for me to sit here and say that the Cubs are are going to win this division outright, I'm still not convinced because the Cubs have not done what I feel like they are capable of doing. And that's being able to dominate a otherwise very winnable division. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna disagree, and we're probably gonna disagree on this for a while. All so I'm year, gonna, I'm gonna, all year. Well, I mean, we're, if it maintains this pace, here's my biggest pushback. When you say this is the worst division in in baseball, or one of the worst, as of right now, um, two of the teams in this division are in the wild card or one team is half a game out of it. So it's not as if the, the that the other teams in this division, the, the records are so bad, they're not even the playoff discussion. They are in and out of the playoffs. So right. If the season ended today, um, they're, they're one, you know, one team is definitely in and uh, the Cardinals and the Brewers are half a game out right now. So that to me just statistically says, well, they can't be that bad if they're in the statistically in the running for a playoff spot. My take all along is yes, 2016 was incredible. Winning 103 games is fantastic. None of that means anything. Nobody remembers the hottest team in June last year. Nobody remembers the hottest April team. Nobody remembers the hottest August team. It's who came into the playoffs, 
who was peaking at the right time, who was healthy at the right time. And because it, it, it is all about making that second season. So if the Cubs can get this together, go on the run that we've not seen them go on as of yet, they are well positioned. But right now, if the season ended today, they're playing the Braves in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the first round. And, and ultimately in baseball, Nobody cares if you won 120 games. It's who's standing, the last one standing at the end of the season. Time for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines, and we are very excited to welcome to the program from the SCORE Sports Radio 670, she is heard 10 to 12 weekdays whenever the Cubs are not on, or you can listen to her new podcast, Into the Basket, as well, that you can find and subscribe to on where podcasts are available. It is Julie DeCaro, longtime sports radio host here on the Friendly Confines. Julie, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me. It is uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us as we chat about the second half of the season for the Cubs. And of course, uh, well, I guess depending on what kind of Cubs fan you are, if you're an optimist or a pessimist, uh, I guess that that depends on how you felt like the first half of the season went. For someone like myself, I I look at myself more as a realist, Julie. Um, I don't necessarily think this was exactly the first half start the Cubs were hoping for. Um, In your opinion, what definitely needs to happen in the second half if this team is going to ultimately um, not only reach the postseason, but make a deep run in the postseason. Boy, well, it, it didn't feel great uh, in the first you know, first half of the season. In a lot of ways, it felt sort of like a continuation of all the things we didn't like about last year, right? I mean, they came, they started off with this terrible start, but then they got really hot and everyone started thinking, wow, this whole thing about urgency and May is October and everything really seems to have had an effect. They're playing great. And then, you know, that lasted for a couple weeks. And then next thing you know, we're right back to where we were last year. So, the biggest thing for me is it, two things, really. The defense has got to get better. These are the largely, with the exception of Dexter Fowler, the same guys from 2016 when they were one, they were the best defensive team in baseball. So the defense, the mental errors have got to go away, first of all. And then the offense has got to find some kind of consistency. Um, outside of Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez, there's got to be somebody that is hitting the ball regularly. Uh, they're streaky again, like they were last year, like they were in 2017. Um, it's just it's maddening to watch, and it's hard to understand how an entire lineup can all slump at the exact same time. But we're in year three now of watching this happen, and, and I don't know what the answer is. Um, maybe if Ben Zobris comes back, there there's some kind of consistency in the lineup on the offensive side. I don't really know where to go from for that issue from here. Yeah, and you bring up a good point because it seems like in the past, Theo and Jed have done a nice job at the deadline to at least go out and get somebody offensively or pitching-wise to shore up this team down the stretch. Last year, we saw Daniel Murphy play second base. Now, it seems like, for me at least, and, and tell me if you agree or disagree, I feel like this team still needs a second baseman and... Of course, I think they still need a legitimate leadoff hitter. I guess the question is, are those two areas that you, in in your mind, need to be addressed and something they should go after 
uh, by the trade deadline. Well, they may have addressed the second base issue already. I guess we don't really know what Robel Garcia is outside of a guy who hit the tar out of the ball at AAA, yep. and everyone's hoping that'll transfer to to, to major league. So, um, I, you know, I still would like to see David Bodie play second base every day if they you know get him into the lineup on a regular basis. Put Chris Bryant back at his natural position at third base. I don't think he has the arm defensively to play right field. So I, the, the answer is your second base may be on this team. As for a leadoff hitter, I'm not one who subscribes to the you need a, a, a prototypical Dexter Fowler leadoff hitter. I think it goes back to what I said before: is they just need someone to hit the ball consistently, to get on base consistently. Who's not Javi Baez or Wilson? Contreras um you know Ben Zobras like I said would maybe would be that guy he's he's been one of the better leadoff hitters among this group of guys um the leadoff hitter thing is something that I go around and around with my uh, callers about every single night I'm sort of of the belief that a uh, lineup is constructed more like a wheel than a list um so I don't necessarily care who's leading off I just want someone who gets on base pretty regularly what I really think this team needs in addition to another bat and, and I do agree with you there and whether it comes from inside the team because somebody gets hot or it comes from someone outside the organization I don't really care I do think they need another lefty in the bullpen I don't think Mike Montgomery is getting it done um so but you know but the it, no matter what you think the Cubs need, the main issue for me is I don't know what they're going to be able to give up to get it. So many of these guys that uh, we've been in love with over the course of the past couple of years really haven't panned out necessarily when it comes to their potential. And the farm system is pretty thin. So as much as I think we all would like to see Theo make his prototypical big move ahead of the deadline, I just don't know what they really have to bargain with at this point. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point because obviously they've mortgaged a lot of the farm to get where they're at right now. Um, we're talking with Julie DeCaro. You can listen to her on the score, Sports Radio 670, 10 to 12 during the week uh, in the evening. And of course, she is the co-host of the podcast Into the Basket, where you can find where uh, any podcasts uh, are available and subscribe to that. Also, she is on Twitter at Julie DeCaro. So make sure to follow her on there as well. So Julie, uh, another big storyline as we enter the second half is the potential lame duck status of Joe Madden, who uh, as somebody who uh, always felt like who, whoever won a world series for this team should be able to manage the Cubs as long as he or she would like to, in my opinion, um, it, it is unfathomable to me to some degree to think that Joe Madden could be playing out his final season as Cubs manager. Where do you stand on this as far as um, if there needs to be a change? And do you think if the Cubs just kind of continue to sputter down this road or they at least start to play a little better, but, you know, kind of end up winning the division and maybe lose in like the division series, is that going to start to kind of heat up maybe obviously before the playoffs is that going to be maybe a distraction where people are just going to constantly start making that a storyline and a narrative as we go down the stretch of the season yeah up here in chicago as we get closer to the all-star break it already was starting to be a story which i was kind of surprised by um I, you know, I, I guess there's two things. Number one, you can look at it from the standpoint of Joe Madden brought this team the first World Series in 108 years. He can stay as long as he wants. The other side of that, I think, is that this team was not built to win one World Series. They were built to compete through the 2021 window. So if you if you say the window opened in 2015, then that's seven years when they're supposed to have a shot at the World Series pretty much every year. And, um, 
you know, with the they've gone to four straight playoffs, they, you know, three straight NLCSs. That's great. But I, I think that the frustration from the front office with the way Joe has used the assets they've given him has start to become pretty apparent. Um, both Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein have pretty much complained about some of Joe's moves on my station. Um, when Carlos Gonzalez was here, you know, Theo said, you know, we didn't get him to, uh, to he was supposed to be a you know, pinch hitter. We didn't bring him up to play every day. And here he is starting. Um, I'm a, I'm a believer that the reason Ian Happ, started in Iowa is because they wanted Albert Elmore to get significant playing time in center field. And, um, you know, one of the things Theo talked about at the end of last season was giving the young guys more consistency in the lineup, not playing the matchups, maybe to the extent um, letting guys get into a routine and get into a rhythm. And that was something the players complained about at the end of last year. Well, spring comes along this year and Joe Madden basically doubles down and says, I'm not going to, pl- I'm not going to move guys around less. In fact, I'm probably going to move around more than I was did before. And, you know, so we started to see Theo Epstein take what seemed sort of like veiled shots across the bow at Joe Madden in interviews talking about this team's lack of intensity, um, things like that. Uh, he said, you know, the first half hasn't been what they wanted. They didn't have the intensity they wanted. So while to me, it still seems kind of incredible that Joe Madden might be on the hot seat. A lot of my colleagues really believe that he is uh, and that he, there are a lot of people who believe, I would say a lot of people, but I know people who believe that if he doesn't win a world series, that's it. So I'm just sort of watching in appalled fascination this entire thing because I don't really – I can't imagine who you would replace him with. I mean, everybody says, oh, we'll bring Joe Girardi in. I think Joe Girardi is the absolute opposite of, what, of the kind of manager this front office wants. Um, so I don't know. I'm just sort of like watching to see what happens and getting increasingly um, – interested i guess in the storyline every time theo epstein comes on and you know says something that people sort of interpret as being a direct missive to joe madden so i don't know what's gonna happen yeah no i mean i agree with you i i'm totally in on the same wavelength with you when it comes to this story because to your point uh girardi seems like the complete opposite of what the cubs would be looking for and and if theo is so um, interested in being one of those general managers that's going to make every single decision or, or I should say Jed or whomever like the front office is doing with a lot of teams today, then at that point is is David Ross the answer? Is is Mark Loretta the answer? You know, I think maybe those are the names that you're looking at at this point because then you're just saying, listen, we're going to minimize the managerial role, kind of like what we've seen with the Dodgers and the Red Sox and now the Yankees, and they're all successful. Maybe that's the way to go. Is, is I mean, does that seem like what you're noticing from what you're reading, if you were to, to see the tea leaves, so to speak, from Jed and, and Theo? Yeah, I think that if they were to get rid of Joe Madden, which I am no, I'm in no way convinced that that's going to happen. But if it did happen, I think that's a much more likely direction for this team to go. Mark Loretta, um, I know that David Ross's name keeps getting around. I don't know if David Ross really wants to go back into 162 game grind. I think he kind of likes his life the way it is now. An opportunity, you know, to demand a team, he, you know, would that would be something he couldn't say no to. But I think that that's much more likely a young, up and coming manager who they can sort of mold in their image, who I think it to their mind will use the 
the players the, the way they're intended to be used. I don't I don't necessarily think that they're super comfortable with him, you know, leaving people out of the lineup and sliding someone over. And I mean, they gave David Bodie a five year extension and he's sitting on the bench most days. You know, I mean, I, I just don't think that that Joe and the front office are necessarily on the same page with this team, with the way that they want these guys to be used. She's Julie DeCaro. You can listen to her on the score weekdays, 10 to 12. Also co-host of the podcast into the basket. And you can find her on Twitter at Julie DeCaro. Julie, thank you so much for taking some time with us here on the friendly confines. We would love to have you back as the season progresses, see how this all plays out, but thanks for taking a few minutes with us here on the seventh inning stretch. Yeah. Anytime. It was fun. Appreciate it. Our thanks to Julie DeCaro of the score sports radio, six seventy in Chicago. And you can follow her on Twitter at Julie DeCaro. Uh, you could also follow both Chad and myself. I am at Ryan D Lieber. Chad is at Cubs confines. So make sure to follow us there. If you have any interest in hitting us up, any questions that you'd like us to ask our guests or any questions that you have for us, we're always interested in hearing from our listeners. Love the insight from Julie. We, we, we just, we continue to get fantastic guests after fantastic guests, new friends of the show. And Ryan, we teased it in the show open. Literally, I'm, I'm letting the listeners know right now, you have been telling me for a couple days that you're not going to tell me to we're in the ninth inning. You're going to tell me our guest for the next couple of weeks. I am flipping excited. I can't wait. Also, we're going to be announcing uh, uh, special things throughout the season. If you haven't already, find us on the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We've got a few thousand people on that page. Very energizing, very energetic, great place for you to post your thoughts. Um, We'll post game recaps, uh, original writing, uh, sometimes we'll do some ticket giveaways, things like that. But we'd love to have you there. Let's I, I, I want to get to the eighth inning. And I know we have to talk about or the, the ninth inning rather to, to hear about the announcement. But Ryan, why don't you kick off the eighth? Yeah, well, obviously a big topic that has really not been discussed by either one of us lately, and this could be a big reason why the Cubs are probably not playing as well as I feel like they should be playing, is this was one of the best defensive teams in baseball several years ago with, you know, Bryant and Rizzo and Baez and Addy and all those guys. And even in the outfield, you have Jason Hayward, who's one of the best defensive players in baseball. But this team continues to make just – you know, unforced air after unforced air that is causing this team to, you know, extend innings and, and, and extend outs for that matter. And it, it has to be mind boggling to me to not understand how this team, uh, you know, is not able to possibly make plays that are basically the reason why they're losing certain games. Um, and, and it's causing other teams to get insurance runs. Uh, on this ball club. So I don't know what the answer is. I I don't know if you need to hire uh, or or take more (laughs) infield practice before a game or, you know, you know, shoot more pop-ups to Kyle Schwarber in the outfield, because he is certainly one of the people that is extremely guilty of this. Um, And, and you know, but it's mind boggling to me sometimes to see this team play that they do defensively because it, it is not going to help them down the stretch if they are going to compete for a championship, these are things that need to be rectified immediately. Can I tell you something really funny? And I I just, you know, you, how do you, 
you know, it's, it's, <laughs> they, it was, it was that, that uh, topic on the Supreme court. I remember this when we were in our radio television law class with, with, uh, with the, uh, the legendary Mike Starr, and they talked about how do you define pornography? And one of the justices says, well, I know it when I see it, <laughs> how yeah. do you find good defense? And you're right. We we're not seeing what we're used to seeing, but, but one of the metrics that you can actually judge good defense is a plus or minus on projected fielding runs. So basically how good your defense is from keeping runs that should have been scored. Can I tell you something really funny? Three of the top five teams right now um, in that stat are not making the playoffs. <laughs> the number one team is the Royals. Angels aren't making the playoffs. Uh, the Red Sox are number four. They're not probably making the playoffs. And then you've got the Padres seven, the Giants eight. So, so, Really good defense that saves runs, which the Cubs have been known for, doesn't necessarily equate to wins right now uh, because I think offense has taken such a big, uh, big push. But you just think back to that play a couple of weeks ago where – it didn't help his cause in any way, shape, or form. Where Addison Russell, instead of going, you know, instead of getting the sure out, um, went home, um, and and they ended up forced the run over, didn't get the out, and then and then the very next play was a sacrifice. Things like that and little miscues are adding up. It's making a, it's it's just it's 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 frustrating the fan base, and I know it's it's frustrating Joe. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, and you're right. Maybe they just need uh, an exorcism or something, but. Um, that has to turn around if this team is going to play deep. I totally agree with you. All right, final inning now. We've come All to right. the ninth. And, Can you uh, give me some hints? So, so the ninth inning, basically, the topic is this. It's a big deal if the ninth inning topic is who our guests are going to be in the next two weeks. Yes. And and listeners, my incredibly wonderful, incredible listeners. Um, so message us on on Cubs confines or Ryan D Lever or both. Do a little little tweet to both of us. Who would you like to he- have us get? Um, but right now, can 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 we do a little game here? You want to like, you want to give me some hints, or do uh, you just want to announce it? I know we don't have any sort of like you know confetti cannons and balloon drops or anything. <laughs> what should we do here? Because yeah. I literally have guys, everyone listening. I have no idea, and you have been teasing this. So if you're like, buddy, I'm so excited. We've got John Alois and Keith Jackson former classmates of ours at SIU, which they'd be great guests to have. But I would be excited about that, but maybe not as excited about what you're going to tell me. I think let, – let's just put it out there. I'll give John a big Alois, introduction. Do you, think, do you think John Alois and Keith Jackson are listening? Uh, I know John Alois listens. I know yeah, he does. I love uh, John. John is one of my all-time favorite guys. I, I brought John, and we, we painted the crease at the San Diego Goals – before they laid the ice down, he came in and, and visited. I said, Hey, you want to paint some ice? And, and we did that. Keith Jackson, he's a, uh, uh, he, he's actually been up to Chicago. He's used my seats before. He's a great, he's still in Southern Illinois. So, all right, what do we do here, bud? What do we all do? Right. So I'm just going to put it out there, man. And then I just want to hear your reaction to when I tell you who our guests are going to be. Okay. So right. guest number one, who we're going to have on next week for our program. I've already been in touch with him. He's been nothing more than amazing uh, going back and forth. Uh, when I think of two people, Chad, uh, in sports radio in Chicago, one of them is the late, great Chet Kopic, who we had mm-hmm. on our last, show last earlier year. Uh, last year. But the other person we are now going to have to come on our show, and it is longtime sports radio host who now is on ESPN 1000, but for years was the co-host of the Monsters of the Midway on the score 670. No. It's the one and only Mike North. 
I buddy, am overwhelmed that, that we are going to have him. Awesome, we got Mike North. That is incredible. So Mike that North, is awesome. That and a testament to you, big guy. Your your network and, and the connections and all the different people we've been able to reach out to. Mike North cannot wait to hear from him, and the, and we're going to do a, a sneak preview of his uh, of his episode uh, later on this week, and he'll be a part of the full show. Um, our next recording. Okay, so our next guest, I'm even more excited about. No um, way. This is somebody who is probably Chad. I'm not. I'm not just like saying this for the sake of saying this. He is absolutely the biggest guest we have ever gotten on this show. I have absolutely no doubt about really? it. Really, it is going to be the one and only from Fox Sports. Joe Buck is coming on the Fresh no. Confines. We got Joe. We got Joe Buck, we my friend. We got Joe Buck. Joe Buddy. Buck and I emailed each other. I have Joe Buck's personal email that I oh received from friends. Uh, we got Joe ago. Buck. We, we got, got Joe, Joe Buck. Buck. That's right. I emailed Joe Buck last night. And Joe Buck not only emailed me, Chad, he emailed me the next day. The next day. And oh. said he would be happy to come on the show. Are and we are going me? to record something with him next okay. week all right so two things here and we're going to talk about how the sausage is being made so all the listeners can listen one um i hope he can figure out the anchor apps <laughs> well that's the um, thing now we're previewing yeah. this now it needs to happen right that's well nice. well but you know what would be great is that might be a good dual interview opportunity um but more than anything i would like to stretch out that interview and not take a ton of his time but you know, we could do current state up, but then also I, we could have a whole discussion about his recollection of 2016. Oh, my God. We got Joe Buck. We got, got Joe Buck. Joe Buck we got Joe coming Buck. on the program, my friends. Oh, my God. He was he was on our top five wish list. Uh, yes, he absolutely was. We oh finally. Uh, well, we had a few. We've had a few. I mean, who was Sarah Spain was on our wish list. Yeah. We were able to get her. Uh, we still have well, some others. But well, I mean. Joe Buck my, is my, the, my number one. My number one is, is and always will be Pat Hughes. Yeah, I just I, I but but Joe Joe's there. Joe Joe made the Joe and Pat are the two people that did the call. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Oh my god, that's awesome. Look, now we're just fanboying all, over each other. I know this is pretty awesome. I I woke up this I morning. I told my wife. I said, I know you probably won't be this excited. I mean, she knows I've kind of talked about Joe Buck in the past. But when I told her, she actually was very excited when I told her that we were actually going to have Joe Buck on the friendly confines. So uh, I, I don't know if this makes us more legitimate at this point, Chad, but pretty awesome that we were able to get both Mike North and now Joe Buck to come on the program uh, in the next couple of weeks. So we it are just means so, so we're excited. getting bigger and better. And can I make an announcement as well? Yes, make an announcement. So we, we kicked off this show um, and we had been talking about doing this for a long time, but we kicked off the show at the all-star break last year. And we've said this before. We have a, a group of very dedicated listeners that keep coming, coming back. We get to see the downloads and the, the listener rates, and we get to see the continued growth, but really excited to share. Um, we surpassed 10,000 downloads um, in, in, in just in the last week. And so a heartfelt thank you to all of our listeners all of our dedicated folks, if you haven't already, please share this with a Cubs friend. Please go on and, and give us a rating and write us a review on Apple iTunes so we keep showing up higher and higher in the search results. We are loving this show. We hope you are as well. I'm elated right now. Joe Flippin' Buck. Yeah, 
pretty, pretty awesome that we're going to be able to get him on the show. So congrats, uh, buddy. All right. uh, You know, just, just uh, keep on listening. And uh, obviously we will bring you more great guests, uh, hopefully as the year uh, progresses and, and continued uh, success to this podcast. And of course the, the Chicago Cubs season as well. So absolutely. uh, That is going to do it for this edition of the friendly confines for Chad. I am Ryan. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed The first time you walk into Wrigley Time you walk into Wrigley.